and we're live. Welcome to episode one of the Shift Gear podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Anil, and joining me today is Kieran. Kieran, if you want to give a little bit of an intro on yourself. Yeah, I'm Kieran Farah. Uh, I've been playing Pokemon for a long time, since 2011. Uh, I consider myself quite the competitive player. Uh, I've played World seven times. I was in top 16 last year. Uh, and yeah, just looking forward to starting this podcast with Anil. Sweet. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm Anil. Uh, you most likely know us if you're listening to this. Um, but we, I'm, I'm Anil. I've been to Worlds uh, three times now, I think. I've been playing since 08. Um, casually, kind of on and off as I grew up, as most of us do. And the idea behind this podcast, which we will dive into at some point later, is that we think that we're kind of underrepresented in, in the Canada metagame in terms of content creation. And we think that people would enjoy having a local station to listen to. So without further ado, we'll dive more into kind of what our ideas are at some point. But uh, we're just going to get right into it here. Um, there's a lot going on in the Pokemon world right now. I, I myself have been fighting for Van Gogh stuff all morning i don't know about you Karen. yeah i got two deck boxes but i was trying to get the snorlax poster but i'll take the deck boxes dude it was a dog fight yeah <laughs> like, well i had things in my I, cart I, I, and then they're like sold out like as i'm trying to check out it's like uh it's actually a nightmare and i think that they're gonna restock i think everyone will get their promos but yeah it's been a it's been a busy morning yep. but uh more so like the first thing i wanted to touch on i think is and i think the most important thing before we even talk about metagame in peoria or any of that stuff is 151 what its impacts are um what we think is going to change what might stay the same specifically probably mu ex that seems to be the most impactful card out of the set what are like your initial thoughts i mean like i think the set has like so many like cool cards like really cool cards but i think yeah mu is the only one i see making a huge impact on the meta uh, there's cards like Wigglytuff, Wigglytuff that I think once Path rotates might see some play. Uh, I think Erica is a really cool card. Um, I think maybe uh, a deck can find a way to play that, a control deck, or even just a deck that tries to achieve some prizes. But for now, I think just the big card that we should probably talk about the most is the Mew EX. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, I've been punished already multiple times playing just on ladder <laughs> by Mew EX. And it's like, I don't know, man. Like when I first read it, I was like, I was so fixated on the attack, and I was like, this is an insane attack. Like when I when I first saw the scans like initially, and I didn't even really like give a lot of mind to the fact that it's also a Rangaroo. You can yeah. draw two, three cards in your hand, which is pretty nuts. So I think, yeah, I think like you said, I think that's definitely the most impactful card. There's a lot of like cool applications for it. Um, there's so many things that like people haven't really thought about yet that you can really apply towards. Um, obviously like the most notable being like Moonlight Shuriken, Lost Impact, stuff like that. Um, but there's so much you can do with it. And I think, I think that's like the, the coolest part and it's so versatile, but it's also, it feels pretty balanced with 180 health, giving up two prizes. Um, all around, I think it's, it's going to be impactful. I think think we're going to see a lot of it, but it might be one of those cards that kind of comes and goes like with how the meta shifts like if the meta is all like i don't know let's say colorless lugia and mew just for an example you're not going to see a whole lot of mew ex because you don't have so much to copy so i think it's gonna be one of those things that kind of pops in and out yeah um uh, yeah like i mean let's talk about uh, there, there... Um, like what decks do you think are going to play it so like i think the obvious one is the colorless lugia i've seen guard of rex playing it um I've, I've seen some lost box playing it but I think the main decks that are going to play is probably Gardevoir and Lugia. Would you agree with that? 100%. I think it's, I think it, 
opens up so many doors for Lugia. Not that I want any more <laughs> doors to open up for Lugia, but like it's gonna, it, it's huge. It's huge. I don't know what the dominant archetype is gonna be going forward. Whether it's gonna be single strike or colorless, but colorless seems pretty strong right now. Yeah, I think I also looked at. Uh, I'm just looking here at some of the Japan results. Like even like Maridon was playing it. Like. Uh... I just think it's interesting because, yeah, now it introduces this dynamic for any deck that plays Greninja, like Lost Box, Gardevoir, you almost have to bench a Manaphy against an opponent's deck that doesn't, yep. on paper, play uh, a way to snipe. So I think it'll introduce a lot of cool stuff. Um, I think decks like Gardevoir might even start collapsing away their, their Greninja. Um, I think the big thing to yeah. talk about, too, is like how this affects Giratina in the meta because Mew is just mm -hmm. such an efficient attacker. Into Giratina? Oh, dude, I was so sold on Giratina. I was so sold until I just got mewed once. Yeah. And I was like, this <laughs> just feels horrible. Like, it's, yeah, dude, it just wipes you out. Like, because the thing with Tina, especially Lost Tina, is like, and I, I have a lot of experience playing the deck. I've played it for a long time, and the way I've always played it is kind of a little different to how other people play it. I always kind of, like, a lot of people just try and tank one Tina, right? Like, you're mm -hmm. out there with one fully loaded Tina, and you're hoping it doesn't die, and you're, you're, you're timing your lost impacts with your Star Requiem, and you're like, okay, you're trying to get four prizes out of this one one Tina. Um, I think the way people are going to have to play the deck now, and I think it's going to kind of change a little bit, is you always need to have a backup Tina now, yeah. which is hard for that deck to pull off, right? Yeah, I think, uh, so I think Giratina's meta share is probably going to go down now. Um in Puria. I still think it'll be played, but I don't think it'll be the most played deck. Um, so, like, what do you think that opens the door to? So, like, my immediate thought is a deck like Charizard X, which it saw success at that Brazil tournament, but it hasn't seen success elsewhere. Like, I think one of its worst matchups is Giratina, and one of its best matchups, yep. I would say, is Lugia. So, what do you think of Charizard X going forward here, uh, and how does it kind of, like, fit into the metagame? I've played, like, I think over 150 games of Charizard now within the last, like, little while. I've been pretty, like, infatuated with the whole idea. Um, I think it, like, I mean, it's one of those things where it just has a direct correlation with how much path is around. Mm. Like, the, the one card that just nerfs that entire deck, at least in the build that was played in Brazil, is just path. And I know they play four path bumps. They played uh, Double Vacuum. I think it was uh, Double Vacuum, Double Lost City, I think is what they played. Uh, um, I'm just looking here. Yeah, Double Vacuum, Double Lost City. So four bumps. Yeah. Yeah, so you have your Mew, so like obviously if you're getting Judge Path, you're going in with your Mew and you're hoping to hit a, a vacuum off your six cards, and that's a way out, and you have Arvin obviously that can search for Lost Vacuum, so you have outs, but the problem is like even when you have outs, it, it, a lot of the time you need multiple pieces to play the game, and just Arvining for a Lost Vacuum feels kind of bad, so I think I think Zard's in a decent spot, like as Giratina goes down, I think Zard kind of goes up, it's kind of got one of those relationships. Mm -hmm. But I also think it's it's directly correlated how much path is around. So like, if Maridon starts playing heavy path counts again, it's going to be really hard on Zard yeah. to uh, to do well. Well, I mean, like the most popular path deck is the Giratina deck, and then even the Maridon. They're like the Jesse Parker, the guy who got second at um, Pittsburgh. He didn't even play path. So I th yeah. I think you probably if you're playing Maridon, probably have to play path. Like I'm just gonna say it. Like I I I don't understand how Maridon does well. Like it has like almost no good matchups. <laughs> like it literally just relies on like your opponent not drawing well. And, like, if you're not yeah. playing Path with Maridon, like, I feel like that just takes away one of your win conditions. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, obviously, in the GTA, especially locally for us, like, there's so many Maridon players. And, like, we were joking around the other day, and, like, we, I mean, I've said this as well about Lugia, but it's, like, the most ELO-inflated deck of all time. <laughs> but maybe besides the old Lugia, because all the deck is, like you said, like, you don't really have good matchups. You just blow stuff up. Yeah. Like, you're just going in, and you're like, hopefully I can kill this turn one. And then you just outpace people. 
I just find, because, like, if your opponent sets up at all, like, they're just going to out-trade you. Because, like, your deck is so linear. Um, but, like, yeah, that is yeah. a that is a deck that can play Path against Charizard. And, like, I guess, like, Mew EX or Mew VMAX plays, like, one Path. So, like, to be honest, like, I think, like, if you're going into Peoria, like, I would only expect, like, 10 to 15% of decks to be playing Path to the Peak. Um, yep. So, if you're playing a deck like Charizard, like, I think that uh, it, it might be a good meta game for it. Like, uh, it has solid into Lugia. Like, I think it's 50-50 into Gardevoir. Like, maybe slightly favored. I haven't played the matchup enough to, to tell. I think your Lost Box matchup yep. is pretty good, just because Charizard kind of tanks. Uh, and your Mew matchup You're is good obviously Gar- good. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're good into Gardevoir. You for think? The most part. I, don't, I just think, like, yeah. the Shining Arcana Gardevoir just trades so well with Charizard. It just depends on how you set up. Um, if, if like, obviously, if they're Mirage stepping turn two, you might be in a little bit of trouble. Um, but if you set up fast, like, the, the one thing that I like about this new build of Zard is I find that, and I don't want to put a number on this because I don't know this for a fact, and I don't like saying it if I don't know for, for sure, but um, I would say maybe 35% of the time, 40% of the time, you you have turned to Double Candy, Pidgeot, and uh, Charizard. Yeah, I guess you're playing so, Irvin. Like, yeah, you get up fast, and the, and the Entei helps as well. I think the Entei V is one of the best cards in that matchup, where if you just, like, you don't even need to start it because you have Arvin to search for rope. Yeah. But if you just start, like, you can battle VIP for your Entei and just attach an energy. And suddenly there's so much pressure being put on Gardevoir. And you're right. Like, eventually they do out-trade you, but they don't, like, they don't play path. So you're able to find whatever you need. And, and if you're Lumineoning one turn, you can find Penny the next turn with your Pidgeot. Yeah. Like, there's ways to kind of maneuver it. Uh, just, like, my thought process is, like, I think eventually what Gardevoir can do is they can, like, get a Shining Arcana Gardevoir ready to knock out Charizard, and then they can collapse their Gardevoir EX, and you get kind of stuck. Like, you can't trade with them. Uh, but I guess that's kind of hard yeah. for Gardevoir to do. In the Charizard deck plays, I don't know, you play Radiant Charizard. I'd have to play that matchup more, but it's probably slightly favored for Charizard. Like, I can see that, but I, like, I don't think it's a lopsided matchup where you can be like, okay, this is an auto. No, it's certainly not lopsided. Yeah. No, it's definitely not lopsided. And the, the other thing is, too, like, you need nine energies. On, I think it's nine. Yeah, it a, is nine. On a Gardevoir. So you need reversal. Yeah, that's, that's tough. Yeah, yeah it is that's tough. tough. So. Yeah, and then uh, just one more call. Like, I saw the Brazilian list. They played them a while, like the Tempting Trap. So if Gardevoir is not playing uh, Penny, like, yeah, I guess you just win that way as well. So, uh, I, yeah. When you play Gardevoir, like, whenever I play Gardevoir in locals, like, I never played Penny or anything. But, like, whenever I play Gardevoir at a big tournament, like, it's always a card where I'm like, okay, this should probably go into my deck at a big tournament. Uh, yeah, Mawile is just like, it just shows up randomly. You, you forget yeah. about the card and then it just reappears. Yeah, because like best of one, like Mawile doesn't really work because like you don't have enough time to like deck your opponent out. But like best of three, you definitely have enough time. Uh, you can steal a game for sure. Um, yeah, it's a good card. Yeah. I ended up in my Zard list, I ended up cutting the Mawile for a Pumpkaboo because mm. I found that like Gardevoir was all right, but I was just losing to Judge Path. Yeah, so that's I what I ended that. up doing with it. Yeah, because I think Mawile. I know a lot of people. Oh, sorry, finish your thought. No, no, I think, sorry, what a lot of people were saying was uh, that Mawile is the most cuttable card in that list. And that's what, like, the common consensus was, kind of, um, that if you needed anything, you just cut the Mawile. Yeah, because, like, I'm just looking at it here. Like, I'm like, the two matchups from Mawile does the most is Lugia and Gardevoir. And, like, on paper, I feel like those matchups should already be pretty strong for you. Because um, you don't yeah. you don't really need the, the secondary effect where you do 90 more damage with Mawile, so... Uh, it, I'm not actually sure if it works against Lugia anymore because most of them play Jets, right? Oh, that's true, actually, yeah. So, yeah, I'm not really sure what this card was in there for. Maybe it was just to really make sure that your Lugia match or uh, Gardevoir match was good. Or, or maybe there's a matchup where they want to do plus 90 to something. Uh, I'm not really that sure. Yeah, me neither. 
Um, as far as other cards from the set, uh, like you said, there's Wigglytuff, obviously. Uh, Cycling Road doesn't look entirely horrible. Was, I like but I don't think there's... One, right? Yeah. Yeah. Discard an energy draw one. It's like a it's like generic just like stadium bounce. Yeah. Um I think the only card I was actually looking at that looked kinda kinda cool was the new Charizard DX. Mm, just like as a one of kind of in Zard. Yeah, the one that hits three thirty. Cause I find that now, like now that I've played Zard so much, I found one of the biggest issues with that deck. And like I mean, it's pretty obvious, but if you're not sacrificing the first couple prizes, you're having trouble taking care of the first yeah. couple turns. Yeah, you have a lot of trouble. Uh, so in those games where you can get up double, like you get up Pidgeot Zard, and you can like sometimes you can go for another rare candy Charizard. Going for three thirty isn't horrible, especially into Lugia, because if Lugia goes first and you you can knock out that that V Star turn two, it's pretty good, man. Yeah, it's just, I feel like it's kind of hard early because like you have to like rare candy Charizard, rare candy Charizard twice, and probably you're committing a rare candy to a Pidgeot as well. Yep. Um, and then once no, this- I agree. Once this attacks, like, you're doing 330, but you're discarding 3 energy. So, like, if you want to attack this again, like, you have to Charizard again. And then, like, you're kind of, yeah. like, your late game probably gets worse. Um, I could see it as a one-of, but I'm not sure how good it actually is. I haven't tested this. Like, just in my head, that's just what I'm thinking. Like, it seems kind of hard to get this early. Like, if you're getting this turn 2, like, you're kind of high-rolling already. Then it's, like, you're probably I definitely, bored. like, I don't think it's particularly good. But I, I think it's worth, like, someone testing in some, like, random jank, mm-hmm. like, Limitless Tournament. Yeah, I get that. Um, yeah. The other Gen 1 starter I thought is, like, somewhat decent is the Blastoise. Um, yeah. I think we haven't had, really, a tank deck in the metagame for a long time. Um, and he has 330 health. Its abilities, you take 30 less damage. And then you do uh, 240 um, with its attack. Or, sorry, 280 with its attack, which knocks out a V-Star. Um, yep. My only concern with this is, like... If you're going to play that Excalibur with this, you're playing two stage twos, and it's also, like, weak to lightning, so Maridon is, uh, is a bit of a problem. But I could see Blastoise yeah. eventually in a metagame, like, doing all right. It's not bad. It's definitely not bad. Yeah. It, but, like, like you said, like, tanking is so hard now. Like, it's just, it doesn't, because everything has so much health anyways. For something to be a tank, like, it, it legit needs to have, like, 350 at this point, because yeah. this just has 330. Well, it has, hard. like, 360 effective, because it's ability. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It, it's it's tough to tank now. Like, just Star Requiem is so annoying. Yeah. And, like, there's just so many, like, random... Th- like, even Chen Pao, like, just blows you up for fun. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> like, if, if... If, honestly, dude, if it had 340 and resisted 30, I actually think it would make a huge difference on the card because then Chen Pao would need an extra energy. There'd be a lot of, like, different maths that you can't really hit anymore. Mm-hmm. The one I think of the most, which, like, kills is uh, against Tina when they lost him back for 280, and then you have 50 left. Um, I'm assuming a, a path's in play at that point. Uh, and they would do a t- oh, path in play, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, Because then you go 50-70 on a Squirtle or yeah. whatever. Yeah, Squirtle has 60 like, HP just, as well, yeah. Yeah, it's pain, bro. It's pain. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I um, agree with that. I think the just one other EX I was going to call out is the Arbok. Um its attack is pretty good. Like, it's a scary attack. Like, it's your opponent discards two cards. So, like, I don't know, you combo this with Roxanne, you combo this with Iono. You can lead your opponent with a very little hand size, but uh, it doesn't do a lot of damage. And, like, I don't really know what the early game would look like with this this card, but it is a card to keep your eye on. Uh, I could see a deck eventually doing well with this card. Yeah, and you can Dark Patch to it as well, yeah. which is pretty decent. 
Um, yeah, that's actually pretty good. Like you, you go Roxanne menacing fangs for one fifty. Discard your whole hand. That's not bad. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, uh, that's pretty deadly. Yeah. Then, the other thing I was thinking about that I wanted to bring up as well. Um, so like I know I know this has been a big addition to Charizard. Obviously the seventy HP Charmander. But uh, what are your thoughts on the fifty HP Pidgey with Call for Family versus the sixty HP one? Mm, I don't know, like. Are you ever really calling for family? Like, if you're calling for family, I feel like your turn one's pretty bad. But like, that's exactly my thought process. Uh, the problem with playing the fifty HP Pidgey is against Lost Blocks. If you have like that Pidgey and Charmander with seventy HP in play, like Sableye is perfectly knocks them out. Like, I would probably still yep. play the sixty HP. Um. Because also, like, turn one, like, if you don't start with the Call for Family Pidgey, you can't retreat to it and Call for Family. So, uh, I think it's, like, cute, but, like, I don't think it's really, really worth it. Yeah, I've been thinking about it more and more recently. Just, like, just thinking maybe playing a split, like a 1-1 split or something. Because yeah. there's been a few times where you're, you have one battle pass and you have an Arvin. So, you can Arvin for a rope. And you can just go into the Pidgey and get effectively a second battle pass. It's, it seems all uh, right. But I mean, wouldn't I just I Arvin for Nest Ball in that case? It's the same, isn't it? I guess you could also Arvin for battle pass, yeah. Or Arvin for battle pass, that, yeah. yeah. That also does work. <laughs> it's just a lot of the time with this deck, you want Pidgey active like go, when going into your opponent's turn when you go second. Because if you can get down two Pidgeys, obviously you don't need yeah. them both. And, and everything else is so delicate you want to get down like two or three Charmanders. So Pidgey, it's normally you're ending your turn with Pidgey or Mew inactive. Yeah. I, but I agree with you. I think, I think you stay with two sixty HP Pidgeys. Yeah. Uh, that makes sense. And I think just one more card I forgot about is this Aptos EX. Um, it's just a good, and Maridon's already like seeing play. Um, it's pretty solid. Like you might have to play Halucha in the deck, but having the ability to snipe the bench or clean up maybe some attacks uh, that you didn't finish them off. And it also is weak to lightning instead of uh, fighting. So mm-hmm. it's interesting to me. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about it. Like I've I've played against quite a few Maridon like with playing Zapdos recently, and I haven't seen them like effectively really pull it off. Mm-hmm. I think like it creates such a barrier because you're not playing like a you're you're not playing Ultra Balls. Obviously, you have Nest Balls to find your Halucha, but even then, right? Like it doesn't doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. So you need to find the Halucha, and like finding it in a in a deck that's not really designed to have a lot of ball search is tough. And less so even a deck where you need your bench space. Like, bench space is hard to come by in that deck. Yeah, it feels like it just doesn't mesh well with Maradon's current strategy, which is, like, go fast, take one shots in the active. Like, I don't know if you have time to be, like, trying to play this slow 120-90 game. I think if you want to play Zapdos, I actually think the deck needs to be focused around it. Um, mm-hmm. But then, like, Manaphy still exists in the format, so it's a bit hard. I don't know. It's interesting. I don't... Yeah. I don't think the deck is bad. I, sorry, I don't think the card is bad. I think you still play the, the card no matter what. But what, what if you're playing the card in like current ride on like what's its use case then? I think it's like it's it's best when you're hitting something like so. Maridon struggles obviously with high numbers. Yeah. So if you're hitting something, I don't, let me give an example. Uh, I don't know. I was gonna say Lugia V Star, but it's weak to lightning. <laughs> Let's pretend Lugia is not weak to lightning. Let's say you hit Lugia V Star for two twenty, or you hit something with that kind of I like range for two twenty. A lot of those decks are not gonna have a Manaphy down, but even in that sense, I guess uh, they have a turn to find it. I don't know. Cause like, it's I, just it's whatever. Like the decks I can think of, right? Like let's say you're playing as Giratina. Like let's say you hit a Giratina for one like two hundred or there something. You go, yeah. Like that deck usually has Manaphy. They can just put Manaphy down, or it's like I'm normally gonna use Raichu to take a knockout. So it's just like. I don't know. I just feel like if I'm 
not taking like one shots every turn with Murata on, like I'm just gonna lose. So it's uh, definitely niche. It's a very niche card. Like if the fighting Pokemon ever become very popular, then like yes, this card's very good. But for now, like yeah. I just I don't see it um, moving the needle enough for Maridon. Yeah, I guess it, I guess it's good against uh, Urshifu, and it also it helps that it has free retreat if it has energy on yeah. it. But I mean, like you don't really like the beauty of Zeraora is you didn't need energy on it for it to be a pivot. Yeah. Whereas this does. Yeah, uh, I think the last uh-huh. the last interesting card in the set is probably Alakazam EX. Um, I don't think it's good enough right now, but it's obviously like something to just keep your eye on as more uh, Pokemon get printed in the active. Yeah, it's a really interesting mechanic. Yeah, it's a cool We've card. Never seen that before. Yeah. Yeah, it's neat. I like honestly like in another format. I think that's a really good card. Just what like if you had a format where like I don't know you'd like Robo Sub or something. It's not a bad card. Yeah. No, I agree. You just leave your Robo Sub and you just hit 120. It's not, yeah. it's not horrible. Yeah, but in this format, um, I just I can't see this being that good. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what do you think the meta is going to look like into Peoria? I know obviously we're still. I guess we're a week away now. Damn, that crept up. Um, <laughs> like, so we're a week out. There's a lot of different decks doing well right now, and I think that bodes to a really healthy format, which is good for everybody. Um, a lot of different decks doing well, a lot of tier one, a lot of tier two. I think there's a lot of tier two right yeah. now. Um, what do you foresee to be the meta shares? Maybe not exact percentages, but just kind of rough idea. I think Lugia is going to be the most played deck for sure. Um, we see Lugia like has been hovering around 10%. At the past couple of regionals, but uh, I just think with Mew EX, like all the hype, the deck's been doing well in Japan. Uh, I think it's been doing well at the late night tournaments as well. Um, I think that's going to be played the most. Uh, I think Gardevoir, is, as always, is going to stick around 10%. Um, I think some form of Lost Zone is going to be around 10%. Like, uh, it just seems like the last few tournaments we've had, like Pittsburgh, like Worlds, like all this, like it seems like the meta share is like super even. Like, no one deck is um really outperforming the others in terms of meta share so i think it's going to stay like that a bit i think you might see lost box do a bit worse as like lugia gets more popular uh my, my guess is going to be that lugia is going to be the most popular deck in day two i just think it's going to have a very high conversion rate it's a fairly simple deck with solid matchups um and then i think i don't know like chen pao urshifu like those will probably be like five percent decks mew for whatever reason always sees play it'll probably be like eight or nine percent maridon seems to be sticking around like probably ten percent um so just going to the tournament i just think it's kind of hard to metagame like feel like you're going to face one of every deck so i think whatever deck you pick just make sure it's matchup spread is is fairly even across the board and it's okay to take one or two bad matchups since i don't think any deck will be super overrepresented yeah it's been it's actually been really refreshing to your point of like how everything's so even like it's been pretty refreshing in the last little while to have that i know coming out of COVID, it was like tier zero deck, tier zero deck, tier zero deck. Yeah. And it's like, oh my God, like you either play tier zero or you play the counter to tier zero, but now everything feels pretty healthy. And I think I, I would agree with you in that sense that I think Lugia will probably be the most represented. It's obviously the easiest deck out of the bunch to pilot. Um, and, and so is Mew, Mew VMAX as well, but I don't think Mew is in a good spot right now. And, and I haven't for a while yeah. because you're just, you're getting blown up over and over by Gardevoirs, by uh, Star Requiems, by Chen Pao. And like, unless you're playing Path Mew, you're not really doing any, you're, you can't stop that. Like it's just, it's just going to happen. You just got to take it to the face. But, and if you're playing Path Mew, you're insta-stopped by Spiritomb. Yeah. So 
Uh, I don't think Mew's in a good spot right now. Uh, I don't think Arceus is in a good spot right now either. Yeah, I mean, I've always been a Mew hater, like, even when I won Worlds. Like, I'm like, I just, I don't understand, like, it's good. It's, it's another one of those decks, where, like, I understand it's good, but, like, you win games when your opponent, like, doesn't set up or they stumble. Like, you will always lose if your opponent sets up, which is just not how I like to play Pokemon. Uh, and I just think, like, yeah, like, now, I forgot to mention Charizard as well in my meta breakdown, but, like, with Charizard, like, on the uptick, um, it just feels like Mew is just in an even tougher spot. Oh, Mew can't do anything about Charizard. Like, legitimately nothing. The only thing, like, I mean, like, the only thing you can do is judge brick them. You judge path them and yeah. hope they don't draw out. Because even with the Melodious Echo, you need two tabs. Yeah. It's just, it's not happening. And, like, that was one of, the, like, the final nails in the coffin for me. Like, when I was testing Mew a couple of weeks ago, I was pretty high on it. And, like, I like the idea of Mew because you don't really have to think a whole lot. You can play nine rounds, play 27 games effectively, and you don't have to really rack your brain too much in a regionals yeah so i like the idea of it but it practicality wise i don't think it really is going to do too well but yeah. i agree with lost box as well i think turbo lost box is kind of on the uptick after obviously andrew won regionals with it like people see kyogre and it's a cool concept and i think turbo lost box in general is pretty fun to play so we might see a bit of an uptick in that but at a huge yeah. regionals like peoria you're going to have a lot of new players a lot of players that don't really play to that level yeah i think lost box is just hard because i think yeah a lot of like you're saying like a lot of more like average or newer players like it's a hard it's a hard deck to pick up like i have trouble playing that deck and i consider myself a fairly strong player um so mm-hmm. I, I never think it's meta share is like even if it's the best deck i don't think it's meta share will reflect that um because you saw it worlds right like day two like it's meta share went up because i'm like yeah like, that's all the best players in the world but we do see at regionals like lost box is normally a bit underrepresented uh and it's day two conversion yeah. is usually not that good just because it it takes uh, very like sharp play to convert with that deck well yeah like lost box and, and tina themselves also require like just a different method of thinking like you can't just really pick up the deck if you've never played it before and just play it to originals so like that part is tough too whereas like i think gardevoir is kind of in the same boat where it's just like a different way of thinking where a lot of newer players who like started with like i don't know like mew league battle decks or the Mirada league battle decks they're going to have a tough time making that conversion so fast. And early in the season, like now, September, October, November, even all the way up to December is when you get like that influx of new players before they kind of die off. And like we saw it last year as well. So you, th- these are the times, and I don't want to say like regionals are full of bots because that's not true. <laughs> but like these are definitely the times you're going to see more of your Lugias, more of your Maridons, more of your Muse, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I think just honestly, like, if your goal is just to make day two at a regional, it's like playing a consistent deck that you know well is, like, honestly the best way to go. Because um, you just, like, it's kind of hard to predict who you're going to play against, what you're going to play against. So if you play a deck you feel comfortable with um, and you just play well, like, you should convert. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah. And, and, then, I, and I think that's going to be what it is. Yeah. Like, just, just play something, con- like, play something you're confident in and play something that's, like, fast and just hits hard if you're a new player. Yeah, 100%. Um,. I'm going to ask you, what do you think Charizard's meta share is going to be? I actually think it's going to be quite high. Like, it's probably going to be one of the most played decks. You know, I, I would have agreed with you last week. I think when the results came out, everyone was super high on it. I think now, like, just from looking at, like, Limitless data and, like, just talking around the community a little bit, it feels a little bit more dead. Um, just in, in, in the sense that I think that, I don't know, I just think it's... It's one of those like really hit or miss decks. It's either you're going like obviously you're not going to go nine and or zero and nine, but it feels like one of those where if you you hit the right matchups, you're starting VIP pass, you're starting rare candy, like you'll have a good day. But I'm not too sure how many people are really high on the idea of like your day being determined by if you hit path or not. Yeah, I mean, and I also sorry, go ahead. No, no, you, you finish, finish. 
Um, no, I also think that like Zard obviously is a fan favorite. People love that, and and I think it's a it's a relatively expensive deck to build as well. So I think that kind of evens out a little bit. I'm not too sure how fond people are of paying thirty bucks for a Zard, mm. but yeah. I didn't even know Zard was thirty bucks, but uh, <laughs> I, I feel like the deck might have like the ride on effect. It's like people just love it, and like it's it's fairly simple to pilot. Like you said, Charizard's one of the most popular Pokemon. Like, like I, I think the deck's gonna have like a ten percent amount of share. Um, hmm. I don't think it'll convert a lot into day two, just because my gut feel tells me a lot of the top players aren't gonna play the deck. But I do think like there'll be a lot of it uh, on the first day of competition. Yeah, that sounds about right. Like I don't think it'll convert a whole lot, but it, maybe like yeah, eight to ten percent sounds like it could be a, a decent shot. I mean, like, yeah, it's a it's a fan favorite, and people yeah. want to play the deck. It's like you said, it's pretty straightforward. There are some like niche plays you can make with Radiant Zard and like Ante, and like I don't think bad play or well, not bad players. I shouldn't say that. Uh, like <laughs> average players, I don't think average players will have a great time playing the deck, just because there's so many different like routes and and things you have to kind of play 100 percent optimally to really do well with it. So yeah, it's every deck, I don't know, though. like it. it it feels like it, but I think there's less margin for error with Zard. Like, those little, like, random yeah. mistakes people can make sometimes, I think you get punished a lot harder because you don't have a lot of maneuverability. Like, your your hand a lot of the time is literally, like, an Arvin and an energy, and you just got to make it work. I don't know, but I feel like so Charizard is just, like, like a, you tank the board, like, you just pidge out for boss every turn. I don't know. I, I think it's a lot easier than playing most of the other decks in the format. Oh, I agree. I agree entirely. But I, I think that, like, Maridon and Lugia are definitely better choices for people who don't play too often um like locals of the area or whatever it might be it, it, it plays a lot like and like in playing it i learned this it plays i don't say a lot but it, it plays similarly to chen pao in the sense that obviously you're a combo based deck and you're looking for your rare candies plus your stage twos and and you don't have irida you have arvin so you're you're one card short but you have pidgeot so it's like it, it plays very similarly. Like you're gonna have a small hand size. You're not playing Beebs. You, you don't have any way to really draw cards, and you just have to optimize what you have within your hand and and make that into what you need. So sometimes yeah, it gets tricky with like fish and seal stone and all that I stuff. I guess, too. but you have less decisions to make every turn with Charizard. Like normally, like decks like Gardevoir, why they're hard is because you have to make like a million decisions every turn. Like uh, mm -hmm. uh, Char Charizard, I just think. Uh, I think it's just there's less to decide on every turn. So, like, that's why, to me, like, I don't think it's too difficult. So, like, if you want to have, like, a more simple deck to play, like, I would recommend Charizard to, to people. It's interesting. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's definitely a, a good conversation to have. Yeah. I, I think my, my opinion on it changed a little bit after playing it so much. Like, I thought it was pretty straightforward at first, and it can be. You have a lot of games where you're just boss, boss, boss. But um, to kind of wiggle your way out against, like, Lost Box and stuff can get a little bit tricky. I don't know. I'm sure it's a. I'm sure it's fine for somebody who picks it up and has at least like 50 games on it. I'm sure it's all good. Yeah. Uh. Cool. Let's move on then. Um. One deck I like my favorite deck, Chen Pao. I actually think is in a pretty good spot in this meta game. Um. I think uh that Lawson, which is the deck's worst matchup, is probably on a bit of a downswing just because I think Lugia and Charizard are getting more popular. And uh, Charizard's like a great matchup for Chen Pao. Uh, Lugia is like a 50-50, probably slightly favored matchup. Um, so if I was going to Peoria this week, like I'm not going, but if I did, I'd probably run back Chen Pao. Uh, I'm a bit concerned that the deck's a little inconsistent, but like, I actually think the metagame is like shaping up to be like fantastic for it. If that's a deck that you like to play or uh, anyone here has experience with. I agree. I, I think it's in a great spot. 
um like obviously like it's what it's that deck man like and i guess like maybe you don't feel it as much because you you play at your chen pao main but <laughs> when i think of like what the metagame is that's always the deck i am in like i never remember that it exists and yeah. i feel like a lot of people are similar like that and it just shows up at regionals and top eights and you're like what where did this come from? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the problem with Chen Pao, like, the reason I think it's hard to win a tournament with it is the deck is very inconsistent at the start of the game. Like, especially when you go first. Like, you have to raw draw, like, Battle Pass or Nest Balls or, like, Greninja into stuff. Because uh, once the deck gets set up, like, it's literally unbeatable. Like, it, it one-shots anything. Like, it has the Cologne Greninja play. Like, you have Bibrel. Um So if you're okay with having a deck that's slightly inconsistent, but it's a very high roll, if it's your day, you're going to do well type of deck, um, I would pick Chen Pao just because... Uh, it has a, like, really good Gardevoir matchup, really good Charizard matchup. Like, Lugia is, like, fine. It has a great Maraidon matchup. Uh, if you're okay with losing games to yourself, I think it's a, it's a good pickup. Um, and, yeah, there's a couple ways to play it. Like, I like to play it with the 2-2 Bibril, like, 4 Pokestop, uh, the build that Lucas got top 8 with. Um, but I know there's also the more traditional, uh, like, boss and, like, Iono supporter build. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know a lot of the boys are really hyped on Chen Pao right now. Like, yeah, just, just from like talking around and, and looking around, and, like obviously Lucas made some some big waves with that, with doing what he did with it, and like, I mean, we stayed with Lucas in in the hotel room. And I remember him telling us after day one, he's like, "Dude, I ran so hot." <laughs> and he, like, you just kind of have to run hot yep. with a deck like that, and like, I mean, I've done it too with Mew. Like, uh, like you have to run hot anytime you get a top eight. Yeah, like, any tournament to be honest, bro, you got to run hot. Yeah, like, and, like, there are decks that, like, sometimes, like, pop off, and the reason why I bring up Mew as an example is Mew is, like, also one of those decks where, like, if you're hitting what you're hitting, and you're just, like, it's your day, you're not losing. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, I feel like Mew is, like, the like, opposite. Mew is, like, if you judge path your opponent, and it sticks, you're gonna win, and then uh, Chen Pao's like, alright, if I set up, I'm gonna win. Yeah, exactly. You have to run hot either way. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I think it's yeah. a, it's a great, it's in a great spot, and like you said, like, uh, I don't think people account for it much um, when planning. And to be honest, there's not that many hard counters to the deck anyways. Like, it's just path is annoying. Uh, so, yeah, if yeah. you're interested, check it out. Look at Lucas's list on Limitless. Uh, I made a video on my YouTube channel with them, too, if anyone's interested in checking it out. Uh, okay, yeah. cool. Let's talk about another, uh, probably a deck that has the same meta share as Chen Pao. Like, what do you think about Urshifu and Teleon? I think it's probably not the best position going into the Peoria. Yeah, dude, I love that deck. I want it to be good so badly. But it's just like, it's like what you said, it's just so inconsistent. Like, you're drawing hands, and if you don't start research, you just automatically sometimes just lose. And, yeah. And that, that feels bad. Like, but I think the deck is so good. I think it has so much room for, like, maneuverability. It mm -hmm. has so much skill expression. Like, it's a cool deck. And I think the reason why Tord went on was such a run with it, what was it, like, two years ago now? Or I guess it was last year. Um, like, year and a half. such a run with yeah. it. Yeah, I think it was just because it was built more consistently. And, like, you knew that if you sat across from Tord playing Rap Strike Urshifu, that he would be able to play the game. And he'd be able to skill express enough to take him to all these victories and, and all these achievements with it. And I think now you just don't really have that without Inteleon. You, you, you can't uh, pick out what you need. Octillery helps, yeah. but you have to get it up first. Yeah, I think for me, the reason like I wouldn't play this deck is like kind of like what I was talking about earlier. It's like the metagame is just shifting to be unfavorable for it. It's so, like the reason Urshintel uh, was normally good, like why it won an AIC, is like it destroys Gardevoir, it destroys Lost Box. So I think Lost Box mm -hmm. is probably like, like I was saying, like less well positioned. And then Inteleon, like one of its worst matchups is Lugia, which I think is like well positioned. 
And also, I think Charizard's a really bad matchup as well, just since, like, okay, they, like once they evolve to their stage twos, like, you're not going to be able to go through them. So I think yeah. the deck is always a matchup roulette, and it also is a little inconsistent, it's a little bricky, but that combined with the fact that I just I don't think the metagame is favorable for it, like, I'd probably, like, leave this deck uh, at home. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's leaving the whole deck at home, that's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, and I, I, I hear you though. I think I agree with it. Like, it's just, it, it's whatever. It, it'll pop up, and you know it's gonna day two. Like, somebody will be playing it. Yeah, for sure. But um, I don't think it's like it's it's definitely not one of my personal top choices. Yep, going into this I weekend. agree with that. Cool. Yeah, I don't think we yeah. need to spend much more time on that. Uh, let's talk about Gardevoir. So, I think Gardevoir is normally a little underplayed for how good it is, but. Like, it does tie a lot. So, like, if you play it in a regional, you are playing best of one. You're playing best of two, which is uh, concerning. Um, but, like, I don't know. I think the deck's really strong. Like, I I really enjoy playing Gardevoir. Like, at, at Cups, I actually play it because I think it's a really good best of one deck. But regionals, I'd be a bit sketched out to play it. Yeah, I play it at Cups as well. I, I love it how, like... You don't really need to worry about the clock as much. Yeah. But you're right. Like, to play it at a regional level, mm -hmm. like, and, and obviously there's so much discourse about this with Tord as well, like, with Worlds and stuff. It, you, you have to play it in a certain way that, I don't want to say manipulates the clock, but, like, you, you'd certainly have to play it in a certain way that's designed for best of three. Yeah, 100%. Um, it, it, it's a shame. It's a shame because it's such a cool deck, and I think in, like, older formats where tournaments were smaller when we were able to play best of one at, at bigger tournaments, like... It would be a sick call for big tournaments, and I don't. I still don't think it's a bad call for big tournaments. But you definitely have to know what you're doing a bit yeah, more. Yeah, hundred percent. Time management wise. Yeah, yeah, it feels bad. Um, it's just I feel like it's unsatisfying either for you or your opponent. Like usually how games end when you're uh, playing Gardevoir. But like, yeah, it's in a good spot. Like it's uh, if you play Temple of Sinnoh, I think it's Lugia matchup is good. Um, it's Charizard matchup probably slightly unfavorable, but like it's, it's still winnable. Um, and then, like, I don't know, it's just, it doesn't really have any, like, really bad matchups besides Inteleon and Chempao, which are both decks that, like, don't see much play. Um, so yeah. I, I wouldn't be too worried. Cool. Um, let's just talk about Lugia a little bit. So, obviously, Colorless is getting all the hype. Um, but what do you think about Colorless versus Single Strike Lugia? I like Colorless right now. I really do. Um, I like Colorless more, I think, in a meta that has more Lost Box. I think right now it's, like... It, obviously, like you said, Lost Box is kind of on the decline. It's just the Lost Zone boxes in, in general, like Giratina as well included, mm -hmm. kind of on the decline a little bit. Um, but I, I I still do think Colorless Lugia is, is the play if you're playing yeah. Lugia. Um, I don't think there's much debate with that because Mew EX just opens up so many doors. Yeah, I think that's where I'm at as well. Because um, the reason like you play like uh, Tyranitar is you need to one-shot some things. Like You need to one-shot Giratina, where it's like, okay, well, now you have Mew. Like, you need to one-shot uh, like Gardevoir EXs like, when you have the Dark-type Pokemon. But you can just play the Drapion in your deck, and it also doubles as a Mew counter. Um, so I think it's in a good spot. Like Snorlax is just like such a great attacker, a single-prizer. It trades super well. It has like a decent amount of HP as well. Like 150 isn't trivial for other non- two prizers to attack. Um, and you can also play Weirdier V as well to finish off the game. Uh, so I think yep. uh, I think the deck's yeah, in a really good spot. Like, I would probably play it. Um, I'm just, like, looking at some of the lists here. Like, they're playing, like, still, like, Luminion. Like, they're playing Dunsparce for um, Maridon. Um, I would probably rock up with this. I don't think you need... Because the reason to play a single strike package is the one-shotting. Um, yeah. But yeah, like I think you could just play the colorless. The one thing with colorless is you're gonna have a bad Charizard matchup. Like you do not have a good way to knock out Charizards. 
you can save new EX to one there at one prize if you can somehow manipulate it and that'll one-shot a Charizard, I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah, but, it does. But yeah, like, you have to basically, like, if I'm just thinking about it, you have to, like, Weirdeer one of their Charizards, and then you have to, like, uh, Mew the last one, and you have to find a way to knock out a two-prizer before that. I have to play the matchup more. Like, it's probably winnable, but just in my head, the matchup team is a bit unfavorable on paper. It's winnable. It's tough, though. Like, I mean, the moment you bench Illuminion, you're in trouble. That's, like, that's part of the issue. The other part of the issue is when you're playing Snorlax, you can't attach a DT. So you need Mm. three actual energies because then you're putting yourself at a two-shot range on a Charizard. If you can trade into a Charizard with Snorlaxes effectively one for one, or sorry, two for one, I guess, it's not bad. Yeah, um, a, but I getting think, to that point is difficult. Yeah, I think you're right. So, like, in theory, like, you should be attacking for Charizard just because you're faster. So, like, yeah. let's say you knock out, like, even, like, a Pidgey or something. Like, the moment your opponent benches a Charmander, like, I feel like you just boss it. And you can probably go Weirdier Mew to win. Um, yeah. Because I feel like, okay, like, if you're going to Weirdier, you're probably on four. You're going down to two. You can actually just bench Mew preemptively. Because it's like, okay, I can't boss Mew. Because then you're just going to Weirdier again. So, yeah. um... Well, the one thing as well with with Charizard is is what people don't realize is you can entirely manipulate what they're doing, and like going down to three prizes against Charizard is like the one of the worst things you can do, especially if you're playing a V Star based deck. Going down to three prizes is is, is not what you really want to do. You normally want to go like obviously you're you're taking a one prize KO in the beginning. You don't want to take a two prize KO after that because Charizard has no way to one shot you if you don't go down to three. Yeah. Um. If you're up at four, you're maxing out at I believe it is two forty, as a as a Charizard player, and even your belt isn't taking you into kill a Lugia V Star or Giratina V Star or something. So that's like the number one mistake I see people make is just they they like super greed over two prizes early and you get punished. If you mm-hmm. can go down to five four two zero, that's like the best plan against Charizard. Yeah, that's what I didn't get to do as well. Uh, okay, I'll I'll test this matchup out more, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay, I think the last archetype to talk about is Lost Zone. Uh, so both just normal Lost Zone, Kyogre, and, and Giratina. Um, I think normal Lost Zone's in a bad spot. Um, I just think its colorless Lugia matchup is like really bad. I think its uh, Charizard matchup is really bad. So I would probably try and play Kyogre so that you can try and like against Lugia uh, pull off the big swing turn at the end. Against Charizard, it's hard since you, Charizard has bench barrier, so you have to kind of like go after the the Pidgeot. Um, and then Giratina. I mean, Giratina is like decent because like you have a good Charizard matchup. But like, yeah, it's Lugia matchup is just like super shaky. Um, but maybe I'm overstating like how much, uh, how bad it is for Giratina that Lugia is playing colorless in Mew now because like Lugia was already like a bad matchup in my opinion. Uh, so I think Giratina might honestly still be solid. Path is just always Oh, Lugia good. was not fun, man. Lugia yeah. was not a fun matchup for Tina even before this. Um, you had to basically play Sinnoh and, or to have a chance. Yeah. If you played Sinnoh, you can get past the V-Guards. If not, you can't one-tap two V-Stars. Um, I, I agree with you in that sense. I think that it's it's a tough spot for Turbo right now, but I do think Tina could be making a splash. It's just, again, it's one of those things. It's entirely based on how much Mew EX is going to be out there. Um, if there's a ton, is not it's gonna have a tough time. Like it's, it's tough to really deal with a random 180 health Pokemon that comes out of nowhere and one shots you, and that's an awkward number for Tina to hit as well. Um, 180 is weird because yeah. if you don't have a response, Tina, you're not doing a whole lot unless you have a Snorlax. 
Yeah, like, it's so almost like it's Tina has tough. to put her own Snorlax again to knock out other Snorlaxes. Um, I think you should be playing your own Snorlax and Tina right now. I was testing it a lot with Snorlax. It helps because you need that mid mid shelf attacker. Like, yeah. I found that it was it was pretty useful for even taking out fish or whatever. Mm. Um, the other option is a belt. I don't mind playing a belt because you can. Well, I mean, obviously it's tough to find at times, but yeah. you can shred with a belt. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I don't hate it. Yeah, yeah. If I was gonna play a lost on Becca Apuria, I would definitely play Giratina. Um, Giratina or Kyogre, I wouldn't play normal Turbo. I just don't think Turbo has a good matchups for this weekend. Uh, I concur. Yeah. Okay. So just to finish off here, what are you leaning towards for Peoria? Um, it's a good question. So like, like I've been fooling around with uh, Tina and Charizard a lot. Um, I'm off the Gardevoir train. I don't think I can play it fast enough or slow mm. enough to be honest. I think I play it too much of a medium pace <laughs> to be playing Gardevoir. Um. So I, I think I'm leaning towards Charizard right now, but I don't know what the meta is kind of going to shape up to be. I think it's one of those things where, like, I'm going to look at Limitless on Wednesday or Thursday, see how many path decks are out, see how many path decks are <laughs> missing, and make a decision off that. Because I think, I, and the other thing that we touched on, like, a lot earlier was how strong path is right now. Um, I think it's really strong. So that's yeah. why I think that Tina, it could be in a really good place. Yeah, I think it's um, definitely under that, That's what I'm leaning towards. Yeah, it's under uh cool yeah yeah uh if i end up going to peoria last minute probably like 90 percent chance i won't uh i would play chen pao just because i'm a chen pao bot now uh but yeah i think i think you honestly can't go wrong with picking most decks in this format um yeah. we're in a very is balanced... peoria not capped i thought it was capped. No, i don't think it's capped i think if i wanted to i could sign up uh hmm. i mean either way it doesn't matter but <laughs> yeah cool yeah no it was a good uh Good analysis there. Uh, I think we've covered everything. Yeah, I think we've covered everything uh, I wanted to cover. Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, it's good first epi for sure. Yeah, huge. Um, we will uh, we'll definitely have to figure out a more consistent schedule and and, and all that stuff, and we'll we'll pick a day to kind of mm-hmm. release episodes and, and and do all that jazz. We're uh, just starting up here, so if you have any yeah. feedback for us, let us know. Yes, um, please do. Yeah, no, it was good first epi. Yeah, cool. Uh, just to sign off here, and you want to let everyone know where they can find you. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, on Instagram. Uh, on Twitter, I believe... I actually don't know my own ad handle. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I know my personal. I don't know my Twitter. I think it's at TCG Anil. doesn't matter. You just type in my name. You'll probably that find it. Right. Yeah, it sounds right. Yeah, it sounds right. We're obviously going to have... Uh, we have our own socials as well for the podcast that we will be creating shortly. Um, yeah. Just be under shift care. Uh, you want to let everyone know where they can find you, Kieran? Sure. Yeah, on Twitter, I'm at Kieran underscore TCG. Um, I also just started a YouTube channel. Uh, my first couple of videos are on Chen Pao, but I'm planning on having some consistent releases. So you can find me there at Kieran TCG, or you can just type in Kieran Farah on YouTube to find me there. Uh, and like Neil said, I'm really open to any feedback. Uh, what type of topics you guys want us to cover? What type of guests you want us to have on? And I'm hoping we can have a lot of Canadians uh, as guests on this podcast. I think that would be great. I think they don't get as much shine as they should uh, in the community. So that's uh, one of my big goals for this going forward. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. All right. We'll wrap her up. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Yeah, we, we appreciate your feedback. Appreciate you being here. If you made it all the way to the 47-minute mark, you're a real one. <laughs> for real. Uh, yeah, yeah, for real. All right. Signing off. Have a good one. We'll see you next week. Yeah, later, guys.